0: Back to life back to reality back... Welcome to the Chuan Chuan podcast a bilingual podcast where every episode we use English and Chinese to explore various social cultural and contemporary issues in the aim of giving our listeners a useful tool to improve either or both their English or Chinese language ability This is part eight of the island podcast.
1: That's very interesting because uh, there's actually a new blockchain protocol that essentially uses this wisdom of the crowd thing. Um, And it's called uh, Avalanche Protocol. Uh, And they just released recently. And their consensus mechanism is basically this. They ask, say, you know, a bunch of nodes, let's say 10 nodes. Is this correct or not? And um, at the beginning, maybe say six, say six say yes and four say no and then they just keep asking over and over again i think they do more and more rounds of this like like red versus blue or yes versus no and eventually they get to 100 percent consensus based on this they go through um rounds and rounds of this consensus mechanism um a lot of people argue against this right now but um it, it doesn't use any kind of staking system so no one actually has anything at stake so it is it sounds like what you're talking about, which is kind of wisdom of the crowds. But how do how does everyone end up um, with a consensus at the end?
2: Uh, is it because people are changing their decisions, or is it something
1: else? Yes, I think they're changing their decisions. Okay. Avalanche. Um, Avalanche consensus, like Nakamoto consensus, is a probabilistic protocol... Avalanche can make the error so small that it's even less likely that a safety violation to occur on Avalanche. Okay. Uh, this is not this is not a super simple me let, let me uh let me find out something simpler. Okay. Take your time, you will edit
2: this out. He probably won't, but let's hope that he does. <laughs> 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 I suppose I could read another paragraph, but that's not gonna work because You need to listen. I could do an advert for our recent main episode of the podcast. So actually, that's probably going to come out before this one, though. But if you hadn't listened to it, uh, recently we spoke about... um, Oh crap, what did we speak about? (laughs) What did we speak about? The last main line episode we did had me, myself, you, and our guest psychologist, Sue. And we were talking about a lot of different things. It's a good episode. You should check it
1: out. Okay, I'm quickly looking up the YouTube video. because He actually explains it really well on the YouTube video. Okay. It's 14 minutes. Okay, go to minute six. Go to minute six. Is he Russian?
2: I mean, a very big I don't
1: crowded know. stadium. Oh. <laughs> okay. All right. I got it now. So basically, um, I am one of the nodes and I ask five to 10 other people whether or not yes or no. And if I am, if I see that more people are yes, then I will turn myself to yes. And then this keeps on happening until you reach consensus, basically. Okay. But
2: the, um, all right. So that, Brings up a lot of questions. So, do we like have a round where we sort of randomly distribute which nodes
1: are going to ask the question?
2: Yeah, I think there's like
1: a random number generator to do this. Okay.
2: Actually, it still doesn't solve the coercion problem because if everyone agrees beforehand which way they're going to go, this wouldn't be able to fight against that.
1: In fact, I think nothing would. Well, I mean, obviously obviously if everyone agrees beforehand then obviously it's difficult to do that yeah but if people don't know who the participants are then it's more difficult okay so that's right if you randomly select people at the time
2: yeah so that's that's quite a good way to do it so if you if you had a really large pool of people and then you also and you would actually have a lot of patents being filed like probably loads and no one knew which patent they were going to be asked about it would be very difficult for a bad actor to try and bribe the right people because they just would have no idea who's going to be making the decision on their patent. And then we could also make it illegal to put out an advert saying, oh, if you happen to come across this patent and you vote for me, I'll give you some money or something like
1: that. It's it's essentially like doing captures. Uh, Explain. So captures are those things that help you to they basically help you to figure out whether you're a machine or not. But their second usage is to help develop AI algorithms. You're basically seeing a photo and you're making sure there's a truck in this photo. Yeah. You're training the algorithm essentially. And you're using the wisdom of the crowds essentially by by doing this. So when you have enough people that have, have, have not colluded to, you know, point at that box and say it's a train, (laughs) then you're going to, you're going to get the correct answer over thousands and thousands of people clicking these captures. Awesome. So this is what we need. We need... Possibly, like a capture this, for patents.
2: Yeah. Except that judging a patent would take a bit longer than just clicking all the road signs in the picture. So... it's it, true. It, it would need to be something like that. Um, it would need to be like a randomized system. And we would need to reward... We would need to reward people, and I think we could reward people quite easily. Like whoever's going for the patent could um, <clears throat> put up the money for for um, having their patent go through, and I guess whoever bids the highest will um, get their patent to be first in the queue. And then the people who evaluate yes or no will the the money that was put up will get distribu- distributed out to to the judges.
1: It broke up a little bit, but.
2: Um... Yeah so okay so basically i was saying that the way the system could work is that if you want a patent you put your patent into the system and you put how much you're willing to, mm-hmm. how much you want to uh, how much you're prepared to pay to get this patent granted and then the patents are queued up based on how much money was put in and then the people chosen to judge will get paid from that pot
1: i see actually yeah we could add a third layer which is basically um so the reason why this is not going to work is because i will get paid from that pot no matter what right whether i vote yes or no correct correct yeah so what you want is you want them to get paid a nominal amount but maybe i'm just trying to think can we use something from the prediction market side of things to kind of add add added incentive so for instance if i know i'm a pretty i'm not in the judging panel but i know there's a pretty good chance that this patent's going to go through it doesn't make sense that it isn't then i can bet towards the fact that that it is going to be going through and possibly the patent lawyers so if, if they all vote no but the whole prediction market says yes then they should either not get much money or lose some money possibly or maybe this should happen after maybe it's like a challenge or something like
2: that <laughs> yes so I think this is a really good idea because I think in most cases, so because it, there's two things, right? We don't literally need, to, we don't necessarily need to pay the judges every time, but they just need an incentive to try and at least make an effort to put in the right decision. So if it's backed up by the prediction market and they know that if their decision lines up with the prediction market, which we have sort of tested and is shown to be reasonably accurate then that i think that could definitely work i mean since every solution we come up with is going to have problems i think this might be this would definitely put a big barrier in the way um to you know having a repeat of what happened with king james and just having a centralized person grant monopolies to
1: their friend Mm. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of attack vectors, so this is why I think it hasn't been done yet. Um, but I think it's a possible system. Like, Let's say like the system gets refined to the point where it is basically a random-generated council of patent experts, um, or at least people that are well-versed in patents. They can decide whether or not this makes sense to be a new patent. There's some kind of challenge period over a week, two weeks, a month. Where the patent person or someone external can challenge it, um, because they believe it's a, it is incorrect that it got denied or accepted, and they can broadcast it. So, for instance, I, I assume that like when it's just the ten people or in the council, there's probably not going to be that many people looking at it. But when there is a challenge period, maybe the challenger has to put up quite a large bond, and um, because he's that confident that this is incorrect. But why and do? But why do we even is,
2: need this step? Though? Because the the whole the proper thing could could make these decisions too. So, for example, if you put in an obvious repeat uh, patent, the prediction market is going to bet on the decision being a repeat, and then the judges are going to see that's an obvious repeat and also go that way, and then the system works.
1: And you're saying, why do we need a prediction market?
2: No, no, I'm saying, why do we need to
1: centralise
2: this pre this part this phase before we're before we submit to the real uh, market. So remember, there's no... Uh, about, it's, yeah. it's, it's,
1: it's, it's about efficiency, right? So if you have to ask a million people what things are going on right now, you can't make decisions very fast. If there's, you know, papers, boom, papers coming in, you need to be able to, like, get rid of the stupid ones quickly, right? Instead of having to leverage the larger network.
2: So that's why like, I that's I think the whole point. We... Having... But that's why I think you have to put money in and then you queue up the patents depending on how much money was put into them
1: right so you it's basically like a <laughs> it's basically like a blockchain you know you have this first come uh sorry
2: because my transaction was sitting around for a week because i didn't ask for high, i been in a high enough gas
1: right uh, and also i mean i i mean it would work it would just be really slow right
2: well it would be slow but there are there are literally an infinite amount of patents that could be filed and we're never going to get through all of them. All we can try to do is get through the more important ones. So, and it could be quite quick, you know, because if you have a large pool of people making a decision and you only need, say, 20 of them at any one
1: time, and there's always going to be 20 of them online. I mean, then... and that's just a council then, right? Sorry? If it's just 20 people, that's just a council then. That's not, that's not wisdom of the crowds. Oh,
2: no, 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 yeah. So, but they're selected randomly though. So I'm... I'm not Correct,
1: correct. Yeah. I didn't say it was centralized. When I said council, I meant randomly selected council for that one round.
2: Oh, okay. All right, so I guess we're on the same. But page. it's not it's
1: not wisdom of the crowds. So it's not like a prediction market where, you know, you leave it open for say a week and you count votes and um you get a bunch of people to like, you know, instead of 20 people you'd have 10,000 or something like that, you know, who are financially incentivized to vote with the correct answer.
2: Yeah, so I don't think that the council or the prediction market are the final decision makers. I think so like in government or at least in the U S you have checks and balances, right? You have um, the Senate is supposed to be the balance against the president's power. And then there's some other thing. And they're all kind of, they all have certain powers over each other. And the idea is that you balance everyone out. So I think that having a pool of patent people who get randomly selected per decision and also get financially rewarded based on the prediction market. It's kind of a way of the two, the wisdom of the crowd side and the expert side balancing each other out. So the experts are incentivized to make the financially um, incentivized to make the correct decision, and the crowd is also financi- financially incentivized to make the correct decision. Uh, hopefully, between them, they make correct decisions. Mm.
1: Yeah, I think that makes sense. Um... Yeah, there's obviously a lot of tax. Like, for instance, a simple attack would be: if I had a shit ton of money, I could just split that up into a bunch of different accounts and vote against this patent that you know would cost me a lot of money. But, and even if even even the votes cost me a lot of money, I'm gaining more by this patent not going through. So obviously, when it's financially incentivized, um, the cost needs to be higher than it's going to cost me to have this patent put in or not put in.
2: Yeah, so there are some details we could work out.
1: But the the most immediate thing to say about that,
2: though, is that a centralized system is not going to deal with that any better. Mm, it's just private at that point. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, correct, correct. But this is exciting, though, because I think this might be the first system that we've actually came up with that we can put into place, our patent law.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think... Um... I think the idea has been around for a long time this idea of voting checks and balances um you know randomly generating a a council every time you need something to but be that's done. exactly like what a jury this, is right randomly selected peers correct and then you have appeals which is basically another round based on a random judge or something like that i'm not sure how appeals exactly work but i assume it's similar yeah and you can appeal three times so basically just keep them going <laughs> So, like, if our system kept on going, it could be like the council to the wisdom of the crowds, back to the council <laughs> again, because you know they're appealing, they're appealing the wisdom of the crowd decision. No, but it wouldn't be that.
2: So, I would, I would. My argument is that the decision always comes out at the same time and is final. An appeal, an appeal is just you putting your patent up again. It, it, so you can only put a repeat um, application through if your patent was rejected.
1: Well, if they come up at the same time, then who gets priority? Is it the is it the wisdom of the crowd prediction market, or is it the council?
2: The council. The council is the final say, and the prediction mar. <clears throat> the prediction market is there to, excuse me. The prediction market is there to provide the financial incentive in order to try and I see. make the council vote the right way.
1: Well, so if if the council votes the other way, most of the people in the prediction market. Or lose money.
2: <laughs> yes, but so will the council. So if they're in disagreement, then no one gets money.
1: They both lose out. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, the nose, the nose will get or the opposite side. Oh, of the opposite.
2: Money. well. So no one in the council. Um, I haven't thought. I don't want to reward bad decisions by the council. So I'd say the, the council either gets a nominal fee or a payout. And then, but with the prediction market, yes, if they, the nodes would get a substantial amount of money, I suppose.
1: Mm, Interesting. Okay, shall we continue this article?
2: Yeah, so is that a tentative? I think this is the first thing we can sort of pencil in. It's the first sort of decision we've made about anything.
1: Yeah, I think um, the general idea of decentralizing issuing patents makes a lot of sense. The exact details of how this would be economically incentivized, I think we need to iron out a little bit. Um, But yeah, I think it's uh, it's definitely something I'd be behind.
2: Because we could dig into this a bit more. Because we could do this for we could use the system for our laws as well. And correct. Yeah. So it's interesting. But okay. Yeah. Let's let's part that. Um, when we haven't gone very far through this article at all so yeah let's, let's continue um, okay. okay so I think we're up to the third paragraph so important developments in patent law emerged during the 18th century through a slow process of judicial interpretation of the law during the reign of Queen Anne patent applications were required to supply complete specification of the principles of operation of the invention for public access Legal battles around the 1796 patent taken out by James Watt for his steam engine established the principles that patents could be issued for improvements of an already existing machine, and that ideas or principles without specific practical application could also be legally patented. Okay, well, that just throws out, like, everything. <laughs> all, all of the assumptions <laughs> I had.
1: <laughs> Do you want to so, elaborate?
2: Yeah, so not only can you issue a patent for improvements of an already existing machine, but you can patent an idea or principle without a specific practical application, which means that scientific ideas certainly fall under that second part and Mm, improvements, which are just, you know, the large part of your patent could be the thing you're basing your improvement on, but you just improve it a little bit and now you can patent what? Oh no. So you're going to pay for the improvements only, I guess. I would be interested yeah. to look into this specific case because what I suspect is that the steam engine was invented or something, but it wasn't like good enough to use as part of a train. And then James Watt came along and, and made a train out of it, something like that. So it's probably a, a substantial improvement in this case. But I guess we don't have time to go into it now. But overall, what this says to me is that. Yeah,
1: I mean, yeah, it was probably the idea of uh, using steam to move some kind of piston, and then he turned it into a, like a proper engine or something. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. But what it means is that patent laws don't really have
2: a well defined border. It seems that they can be anything.
1: Yeah, and I think that is pretty much what we we're talking about in terms of innovation, right? Like, no matter what I think, what you think, it seems like patents are there to encourage innovation, not to stop innovation. So if it stopped people from doing what we just said, which is basically patenting stuff that is just like a little bit different, it's an improvement, or maybe it's the application of the original patent, you can do that. You just have to change it enough. And that's the game you're playing, right? This is basically a game of how how much can I change that is the minimum amount to allow my patent to go through. Because what I'm doing when I when I file a new patent is I'm basically getting the legal grounding to not get sued by the original patenter because I've changed it enough.
0: And sure. this helps
1: encourage innovation right now. But then what about the other half? You can patent an idea that doesn't have a practical well, application. Sure. So, you know, you can't, if you don't do anything with the practical application, then like you can't sell that idea necessarily. Right. But I could come and look at your patent and see that you published it and then start to build on top of it and then patent that. Ah, okay. Okay, so... Like, I think the whole idea okay. is that you publish your ideas to to encourage innovation because as soon as I see that you've built a, a Steam thing in Machiki, I'm going to build a Steam engine on top of it and I'm going to patent that and I'm going to make a shit ton of money out of it.
2: Yes, so really we're we're trying to defend against low effort copying and pasting.
1: Correct, I think, yeah like i can't take the steam let's just say the steam engine i'll t- i can't take the steam engine and i can't just sell that to a bunch of people like like if i just i just talk to you and i know what it is and i can't i can't just sell the idea on a piece of paper to people because you painted it but right. i can build a steam engine on top of it i like that. i think that's good i, I think that's what that means anyway it seems like it's like that okay uh, which 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 definitely makes me feel better about patents than i did before which made me feel like it was stemming innovation as opposed to encouraging it
2: yeah absolutely me too um we're getting quite close to an hour i suggest we sort of power through the rest of the history section there's not that much left and then we can kind of sure. add anything else we have and then and then wrap up all right cool mm-hmm. so influenced by the philosophy of john locke the granting of patents began to be viewed as a form of intellectual property rights rather than simply the obtaining of economic privilege. The English legal system became the foundation for patent law in countries with a common law heritage, including the United States, New Zealand and Australia. In the 13 colonies, inventors could obtain patents through petition to a given colony's legislature. In 1641, Samuel Windsor was granted the first patent in North America by Massachusetts General Court for a new process of making salt. The modern French patent system was created during the Revolution of 1791. Patents were granted without examination since inventors' rights were, was considered a natural one. <laughs> okay, patent costs were very high. Importation patents protected uh, sorry importation patents protected new devices coming from foreign countries. The patent law was revised in 1844. Patent costs was lowered and importation patents were abolished. Okay. The first Patent Act of US Congress was passed on April 10, 1790, titled An Act to Promote the Progress of Useful Arts. The first patent under the Act was granted on July 31, 1790 to Samuel Hopkins for a method of producing potash, potassium carbonate. A revised patent law passed in 1793 and 1836, a major revision to the patent law was passed. Um, the 1836 law instituted a significantly more rigorous application process, including the establishment of an examination system. Between 1790 and 1836, about 10,000 patents were granted. By the American Civil War, about 80,000 patents had been granted. Okay. So that was pretty much like a literal history of events. There didn't seem to be much progress. Um, It seems like that sort of era of the steam engine was was quite pivotal
1: yeah i mean they seemed to lower the costs so it seems like it wasn't just room it wasn't just for rich people or corporations right yeah, the the
2: thing that stuck out to me though was the french system where patents were granted without examination i don't know exactly what that means i mean it sounds like they were just being granted without <coughs> without anyone sort of looking at them or seeing if they were generally new, which seems very strange.
1: Yeah, it kind of sounds like you're basically paying to file this piece of paper in the cabinet to say that this is proof that you published something at this time. And if there are right. any disagreements, then it goes to, goes to the court of law. So basically the, the um, what's the word? The kind of burden is on the courts, not on the initial examination.
2: An interesting approach actually i it's totally different to what we've been thinking about so far it would be it's kind of like you can register whatever you want and then if a dispute pops up then we will go back and look at who registered what and and take it from there but that that leaves the decision very much in the hands of humans
1: yeah i mean you could have that same i mean i'm not advocating for the system but you could have the same system where oh yeah you could um yeah, so the the jury is basically the council is randomly selected, and then you have a prediction market that that gets you know generated as this claim has come up.
2: That's kind of interesting because, I yeah, it's just it's like you either it's like do you either want to stop stop the bad patents coming in at the gate, or do you want to? let everything in and then stop them when a when a problem arises i i kind of like that system somehow it it's like um it feels very lazy
1: yeah it is i mean it is it's basically what our law system is right now right you know you don't charge someone unless they're caught cool, if you know what i mean there's no I way mean, to but kind that's of, like, you need to kind of bring though. them to <laughs> i mean
2: but i i hear what you're saying though it's like You, you, if you, it's more like if we attempted to literally stop every crime sort of as it was happening or even before it happened, or forget that, like just say as it's happening, it would be like prohibitively expensive. And maybe that's the thinking here. Like if we really try to catch every patent as it's coming in, then that's going to be very expensive and very time consuming.
1: Yeah, it would also be very, the only problem with this system is it sounds very, uh, you have a lot of especially if the cost was low or maybe the cost is high i don't know but yeah let's say the cost is low you would have a lot of low quality patents coming in so um i mean there's a couple of situations where the where the council gets involved one is um well i mean maybe it's not that many uh someone challenging an existing patent that's coming through so like version two of this steam engine and i think it's very similar or the same as mine so that's me challenging this new patent that that just got um just came in and they're now selling this thing on the market and i think that they're infringing on my patent or i guess that's kind of it that is it like the
2: the decision is always going to come down to how similar the two patents are because the time of their filing is always going to be on record Hmm correct
1: yeah so it's kind of like a proof of proof of publishing
2: yes i like that actually and like you know there's a lot about france i don't like but this seems to be
1: <laughs> a good, a pretty good idea <laughs> i mean it sounds like they, they they did did they move to a different system later on it doesn't look like it it just says they
2: they had some importation patents uh, and then they got rid of those. So now you can't have a patent on things you import. That sounds weird. Um, I mean, I suppose this article is not about modern law. It's about the history. So, and the next
1: section is law. Um, well, it does say the modern foreign patent system. Uh, yeah, well, yeah, interesting. Okay, well, I mean, I'm sure we can look at that later. Yeah. yeah, I think that's something that we maybe need to decide on. You know, do we do the burden up front or do we just do it on conflict
2: yeah i'm i mean well i'm all in i'm all for making decisions as soon as possible if there is no disagreement so i'd be for just saying we we
1: make decisions on conflict if that's okay with you so there's just no there's no like there's no counsel at all it's almost just like it's just the transaction it's in our system you pay a bit of money that's it Yeah, because uh, so people still need to pay a little
2: bit of money for the transaction on the blockchain. So hopefully people won't just waste their
1: time putting rubbish and complete rubbish in there. And maybe you know what we could do, actually. Yeah, we could have them bond a certain amount of money. Let's say it's quite high amount. Let's say it's, you know, a thousand dollars or whatever. And as the patent is in there longer, that bond gets released to them. So basically, like you can incentivize people to challenge bad patents early on and get a share of that bond essentially that's really cool that's a very cool idea, and then that could also pay for a council to check it out as well
2: well how I, how I imagine that part working is actually we, i don't know how that part would work maybe maybe we we iron this out in the next episode, but because I think if we can okay I think we can sort of lock it down for the patent system but during that discussion we could talk about if we could apply the system to to other areas of the island okay yeah that's interesting cool all right cool thanks for listening see you next time see you next time
0: that's all we have for this episode please follow me on twitter at yishantio that's y-i-e-s-e-a-n-t-e-o-h if you would like to support the show in any way, for those outside of China, you can donate money at paypal.me forward slash S E A N T E O H. or subscribe to me on Patreon. All the details are in the show notes below. For those inside of China, you can donate by scanning my Weixin or Bao QR codes below. Thank you so much for listening and we hope to see you all next episode. And we also have a new Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Podcast. So please like and
2: follow me there.